You can tell I when I came in there and seen your face, you Deontay saw you, you thought you saw a ghost, a boy. You knew I was looking me. for you, and I told you I was gonna find you. I want to give him a chance to, you know, congratulate him. You. He defended his title, and now he's in my face, pointing his finger, talking about this, talking about that. At the same time, I didn't have an Urban Dictionary with me, so I couldn't understand a damn thing he was saying. Don't nobody want to hear your your your. your then he want to push man. and shove and say he walked up with, 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 by himself. His brother's over here talking Ain't nobody nonsense. finna show you no mercy. Entourage of individuals. Ain't nobody finna show you no pity. Does not lie. Ain't nobody finna show you no sympathy for your lame ass all. story. But never do you walk up you to You didn't even know where your kids was, boy. We should have called the shit on your ass. Wife Because y'all didn't know where y'all kids was. She was wild and y'all, you was wild. So be honest about it and tell the truth because May 18th, the truth will come out. And guess what? punk ass brother wants to punch me in the back guess what? I'm going to be the judge in the ring. And welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where if you don't believe the earth is flat, you'll never get a world title shot, it would seem. I I don't know what it is about boxing that attracts the, the kooks and the crazies and the paranoid and the just anything. But we never do ourselves any favours in terms of the public image we present to the public. And there's no helping boxing because as long as the people involved in it can say what they want and do what they want, we end up with, what do they call it? An absolute Charlie Foxtrot, I think is what you call that situation. So without further ado, let's jump into what's been a relatively flat week in boxing, but you know what? We're really going to make this one work. So it's only right we start with Eddie Hearn. He's probably been the most active of anyone in boxing, and I'd include the guys actually training for February fights. Because... We finally get the the Q1 to zone schedule and I'm going to give him credit for one thing and one thing only. He got his schedule out. So he's told us who all the headliners are going to be for the month. And so we have to kind of, you know, give him credit for getting his act together. I like organizations that have their, that have their lineup ready because at least I now know whether to be excited or not excited. And I know what weekends I can set aside to then... You know, sit down and watch some of these shows. So when we assess the, the, the zone schedule from a matchroom perspective, right, because obviously Oscar will put his forward, but let's just look at Eddie and let's try and look at Eddie from an objective perspective, right? Because we've got to ask ourselves, what's important when we're looking at fights? Is it significance of the fight? So does it have to be for world title, unification, undisputed, all of that? Or are we looking for guys who, who will give us our money's worth? Because I look at I look at the first two fights. Um, I think it's Jesse Vargas versus Liam Smith, and that's going to be a light middle. And I also look at Danny Jacobs versus John Ryder, which I hope is at super mid and not light heavy. To be honest with you, and I look at those as two fights that, and I'm saying this ahead of time, should be good fights. So I'm not going to criticize Eddie for that. I'm going to say they look like they should be two good fights. The winners aren't going anywhere. And to be honest, I'm, I'm okay with that because for $7.99, I just want to be able to sit down on a Saturday and be entertained. And what Eddie's done here, and I'm going to give him 100% credit, is he's taken a stable which is teetering towards mediocre and said, well, if I can get two mediocre guys to give me a good fight, let's make it happen. So the Liam Smith Vargas thing I'm okay with is happening in Glendale, Arizona. Have no idea where Glendale is, but it, it smacks of matchroom operating on a pretty tight budget in the US. So that's that kind of, you know, managed retreat from the US market, it feels like. In terms of Danny Jacobs versus John Ryder, that's happening at the Alexandra Palace. Now, I don't know who's fought there since, I think, was who's the last guy that fought there? Maybe it was Audley Harrison. If I'm wrong, please let me know. But I think it was an Audley Harrison show and you would have had guys like... Terry Dunstan would have been on there. Chris Evangelou would have been on there. I don't know if Darren Barker was on there as well, but it was the Barry Hearn show. That's the last time I know of the Alexander Palace being used. And those who have done the Harringay Box Cup or watched it will know what the venue's like. It's, it's not huge. And once you put the kind of the seating in there, I don't know what you get in there. A few, a few thousand, but it's not a... I wouldn't be flying from America for that, essentially, if I was if I was Danny Jacobs. I wouldn't be I would not be doing that. So it begs the question, 
unless the copper box is full, why wouldn't you choose the copper box unless you didn't think you could sell it out? Which is a bit of a problem. And, you know, it keeps coming back to this question. Is the, is, is the zone billion real or not? It doesn't feel like it is in this instance. But Danny Jacobs, not a massive ticket seller. John Ryder, not a massive ticket seller. So where else were you going to put them? Your call, probably too big for that, but not big enough for the copper box. You know, would have gambled on the Royal Albert Hall, but knowing Eddie, he doesn't want to go where Frank's been before. So those two fights, for me, I'm okay with. And I think in the first weekend, you get uh, Strisaket or Rung Visai against uh, Quadras. So they're having their rematch on their hell of a fight. So I- I'm okay with that. Stuff the undercard with whatever you want. You know, give some local promoters a chance. Whatever you want to do, do. But those two fights I'm okay with. I want to see what Eddie does for the February 12th card because I have a feeling Eddie Scottney will be on this. That'll be good. And I think it will be like a like a young guns card. The fact that he hasn't announced any Olympians signing is really, really interesting to me because we know Lauren Price is on the market. And so, of the big hitters available, I think it, if I'm wrong, apologies in advance. I think it's gold medalist Lauren Price, gold medalist Galal Yafai, silver medalist Ben Whitaker, and potentially bronze medalist Karis Artingstall. I have a feeling they're all going to go to Sky. Because commercially, the zone doesn't make sense unless you've proved yourself already. And then it's just about cashing out and monetizing. And Hearn doesn't talk much about it, but I'm sure that's a hard slog for him because in the old days, the Olympians went to Matchroom first. And now, six months in the wilderness, he realizes people love the Sky platform. You know, we got to see Susanna Marshall on Soccer AM. It, it put her in a whole different bracket all of a sudden. Now, you know, casual fans will know more about who Savannah Marshall is. She's on the radar. The Clarissa Shields thing means more outside of that bubble that we call boxing. I'm not saying it's massive yet, but Sky can make it into something bigger than it currently is. So fast forward two weeks. Two weeks hence, you've got Lawrence Coley versus, I'm going to say Cheslak. No idea how you say the name, but uh, that's kind of where my enthusiasm stops. Not because I don't like Lawrence. I love Lawrence. Uh, I've said it before. If you're looking at boxing career management, like the fundamentals of managing a boxer's career, Lawrence hasn't put a foot wrong. From from when he flew out to Rio till now, Lawrence hasn't put a foot wrong. The easiest criticism to make is, I don't like watching him. His style's horrible. Da, 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 da. Fine. But let's, let's, let's break down Lawrence Okoli. World champion in under 20 fights. Confident that he could probably unify in under 20 fights, if he's still under 20. No one has ever said he's learning on the job. This isn't a world champion where you're like, oh, baby steps, he's learning on the job, like they did with Joshua. Because at no point do you doubt that Okoli will find a way to win. There's something that you can't manufacture in that guy. There's a, an underdog spirit that even when he's got all the advantages, he's able to tap into. That's what makes him compelling. Now, the challenge he's got is essentially... We only want to see him in big fights now. So we need to see him jump in with guys like Bradis, guys like Makabu, or whoever wins that WBC belt, because I think Makabu's going to fight Mchunu in, in a mandated rematch pretty soon. I think that's, what, January 29th? So for Coley, I'll watch it to support Coley because I support him, but his card is all about the undercard you can get on there because there's still no venue named. They'll talk about doing it at the O2, doesn't really feel like they've got the bodies to fill an O2 card. So maybe that one will go to the copper box. No idea. But I, I, I'm an Okoli fan. I know a lot of people disagree with that. I'm an Okoli fan. I like how he's positioned himself in public. I like how he conducts himself on social media. He doesn't put a foot wrong. And in 2022, can we praise the people that get it right? Let's give our energy to people who do things the right way because too often we like to make noise about the people who do it the wrong way. And then the week after, Chocolatito Estrada. Can't, can't hate that. 
you can't hate that. It, <laughs> I, I'm a guy that I'd love to give Hearn a kicking, but I don't think those guys will ever give you a bad fight. So that's one that you're happy to tune in for. Watch that one from end to end. Don't show me the highlights for that one. I need to see the full fight because I still believe Chocolatito has this ability that doesn't make sense where he can he can manage pressure and he can do flashy things without looking flashy. It's almost as if someone wrote a textbook on how to box in the most efficient way and he's the only person that's read it. So looking forward to that one. Um, I'm 100% on board with, with Chocolatito Estrada 3. So once again, you know, Eddie, Eddie's what, three out of four now? Then we go to Lee Wood, Mick Conlon. British fight. Domestic dust-up for a world title, I guess. So take it where you can get it, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not up on that fight and I'm not down on that fight. If they put a decent undercard behind that, that's the sort of thing I would go to. If they were telling you that, look, it's 250 quid for a ringside seat at the Motorpoint Arena, would I go to Nottingham? Yeah, why not? Hour and 40 on the train. Reasonably good weekend it would be. There's a lot of good nights out there. So quite like the idea of Nottingham. So on board with that, show me the undercard and I might say it's a hell of a night. And then the weirdest fight that's probably been announced. Virgil Ortiz versus Michael McKinson. Now I've heard Lee Eaton say that McKinson's all over this fight and McKinson's got a chance to make himself a star and I just said, I don't believe a word of it. Sorry, just do not believe a word of it. That fight he had against Chris Congo was just, was hard to watch. And I know people talk about it's about hitting and not getting hit and someone has to find a way to solve the McKinson problem. Yes, 100%. But at some point, you've got to try and take someone's head off. I know people talk about Floyd. Floyd was this defensive master. Floyd hurt a lot of people. Floyd smashed the confidence out of a lot of people. He didn't get out of there and think, whew, got away with one there. You know, all dominant wins. McKinson needs to show us those dominant wins. I'm not saying he can't. I just don't believe, based on what we've seen so far, this guy's going to be a star. I, I put him in that Demetrius Andre camp where if Ortiz gets through him, which he should if he aspires to be one of the greats at welterweight, he should get through Michael McKinson. I think after that, McKinson just becomes like Andrade, where you're like, I don't need to fight this guy, so I'm not going to. And just another thing, kudos to, to, to Golden Boy. You see Virgil Ortiz, right? Let's just break this down. Virgil Ortiz, Conor Ben. Age-wise, not much difference. Ortiz is probably moving quicker. Golden Boy have basically said, if you really want to be great, we can't match you softly. Forget all of this learning on the job. If you're going to learn on the job, you're going to learn I mean, with the Sharks. And so Virgil Ortiz has had a real hard, hard route to the top. In the same way Boots Ennis has compared to Conor Ben. And I just think that sets you up better for when you get to the top. Because you're used to being in those tough situations. You're tapping into things you know already exist. Whereas when you're matched softly and you get put under pressure, you're hoping you're hoping those things that you believe are in you can come out. But sometimes things like fortitude, character, they need training in order to come out. That ability to, when you're tired and all you can see is the white light and all your body's saying is, there's nothing left in here. We've burnt everything up. When all of that's happening, do you have the ability to catch a left hook and throw one of your own? Do you have an ability to throw that fight-changing punch? Some guys have that. Carl Froch had that in abundance but you find that out in tough fights and I like the fact that Virgil Ortiz has been put in tough you know, McKinson's no pushover but he doesn't carry much of a threat in his own right so we, we, we'll see what we'll see what happens with that one um, that's the one where I'm like nah but that's more Oscar's situation like Jaime Munguia versus Barrett is right they're, they're Oscar's cards so you know, you know Oscar's guys are going to be put in hard fights, so I'm going to tune in for that one. Oh, uh, God, what's next? Like, God, you know when you try to remember these things off the top of your head and you're like, why do I do this? Why don't I just keep my life 
really, really simple. It might just be Josh Warrington versus Kiko Martinez. I guess they just want to give Josh a belt. Right? Josh has served his punishment. He's taken his beating from Lara. He took the punishment beating that Hearn wanted him to take. He's, he's atoned for his sins and he won't disappear off the plantation again. And now he gets to fight Kiko Martinez in a fight he should win. Because I think when you come at Kiko Martinez, he can't get the power shots off. Now, can Josh grind him down for a stoppage? Maybe. What's left of Josh after the Lara fight? We don't know. Um, obviously, Kiko Martinez is part of the Spanish boxing renaissance. You know, read into that what you will. But it seems that these Spanish boxers have found a new lease of life. So, you know, maybe Josh will need to find a new lease of life as well in order to compete. But that does feel like the zone is sweating their assets, right? None of our prime assets are going to fight before April. So between January and March, we're just getting everyone else out. Yeah, let's just get everyone else out. The old war horses. Let's get those guys out. Uh, are there any significant clashes? There would have been one, right? If Hearn had put a show on the 19th, because that's Brooke Khan. But luckily, Eddie's avoided that. So there's a nice little segue from Brooke Khan into whatever the Americans are putting on. You know, and I still think that one hurts Eddie, the fact that that fight was made so quickly. Uh, drama-free, looks to have done amazing numbers. It's sold out. Uh, that'll be on pay-per-view, so that's going to do good numbers and a lovely payday for those guys. And hopefully, both men decide to sign off at that point. So, yeah, so we're going to mark Eddie. We're going to give him a B-plus on that one. You know, had he told us one of the big hitters like Joshua Dillian would be fighting, then yeah. But if you notice, that date, March 26th, where we were told Fury will be fighting is occupied by Josh Warrington. So we know for certain Fury won't be fighting Dillian White on March 26th. And so this comes down to where I think we have a massive, massive problem. And that's in the whole heavyweight mess. So I'm going to try and summarize where we are right now. Fury has a WBC belt. Usyk has all the other belts. For Usyk to keep all those other belts, he has to beat Anthony Joshua because the rematch clause and that needs to happen However, whenever. Fury has a WBC belt. A mandatory has been called. A purse split has been mandated. And Dillian's not happy. Now, the question is, are you not happy with the split? Or are you not happy with the money you're going to get? Because you don't know what money you're going to get for a start, right? You, you have zero idea how much they're going to pay you for this fight. Theoretically, Al Heyman could make this a hundred million fight and pay Dillian White twenty percent, and that'd be twenty million. Would he take that? You'd imagine he would take that. So here's my suspicion. My suspicion is Hearn has broken the numbers down and said, "Okay, you do it in Manchester. In March, you're not going to get a football stadium, so it's the Manchester Arena. No idea what the Manchester Arena is." Maybe that gross is two and a half mil on the gate. What are you going to do on pay-per-view? You've got Fury on there as well. It's BT Sport, so it's not really a pay-per-view machine. Maybe you get an extra half a million on top. Not lucrative, right? And definitely not lucrative on a 20% split. You go down to the... Is it still the Millennium Stadium in Wales? Welsh guys, please correct me. Maybe you do, I don't know, 10 million on the gate there optimistic but maybe you do that and same number on pay-per-view still not a great number so i guess hearn's thing is no no one's gonna be able to pay you more the zone aren't gonna be, be able to pay you more so you need to get a bigger share of that pot if you want more money that's what i think has happened i think dillian's gone to eddie and said can you give me more money and eddie's given him the mathematics of the venues and said here's how much money we generally make in these venues for us to give you more money or to give you the number you expect, we need to take your purse split up to 45%. That's what I think is in Dillian's head. So what they've done is said, right, we're going to go for that 45% because this isn't going to be a massive number. So we may as well get the biggest possible share of that medium to small number that we can get. So yes, I'm that sort of nose who would actually go and read the WBC regulations. And it is true, the WBC are allowed to tell you 
what the purse split is. And they're taking so many factors in determining a purse split or deviating from their standard that there's no precedent, really. So there's no precedent you can rely on. That's going to be, their, that's going to be Dylan's first problem. So what you're able to do, here's the process as I understand it. Once the WBC announced a purse split, they communicated to Tyson Fury's team, they communicated to Dillian White's team. If you're happy with it, right, now it's time to start talking a deal. If you're not happy with it, that's when you have to register your discontent. So, so 80-20 gets mandated by the WBC. You then have two weeks to say, I'm not happy, right? And then once you do that, the WBC then have to go through their own internal process and go, look, they're not happy about this. And they have like an appeals committee, they have their board of directors, they have a whole governance structure. So there's a process you go through that takes another four weeks, right? Another month. And at that point, they say, okay, cool. This is what we've come to as a conclusion. It's very hard for them to deviate. All they'll probably do is give added color and explanation. So Hearn would then have to say, we don't agree with that. And then that goes to their dispute resolution process, which is a WBC mandated process where either they agree on an arbitrator or both sides pick two and one's chosen at random. I don't know, pull a name out of a hat, that sort of thing. And then that's where it gets interesting. Who do you have as arbitrators? It's normally people who have adjudicated in boxing disputes before. So you have to have some boxing knowledge. It's not just a, a bunch of lawyers there for a payday. Now, that process can take another 30 days. And if you're not happy at that point, you go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Now, God knows how long that takes because it's down to, you know, how many of their arbitrators are available, this, that, and the third. So if you really break it down, this could take until April to resolve over a purse split. That's how long this could take. So that's why if you see the purse has been moved out by a week because, and I had to figure out what the play was here because this is a very strange thing to do. Because do you have this argument to move a purse from 20% to 30%? That's my question. Is, is it worth it for maybe an extra 100, 150 grand? Maybe. But remember, you're paying for the cost of the mediation and the arbitration and all the you know, processes you go through. I don't know how many hours that is, but you can, you can safely assume you're starting at 20 grand and working up. So the question is, what are you fighting for here? You must be pushing for something like a 40%, a 60-40 split. And why would you do that if this fight's really as big as people make out? You wouldn't unless you realise actually this fight's not that big a deal. Number one. Number two, Dillian's more likely to lose than he is to win if you look at what the bookies are saying. So now you're trying to cash out. You're like, listen, I need my, I need my big money Fury fight before I get my big money AJ fight because I'm not going to be able to bargain with AJ if I couldn't bargain with Fury. So there's a whole thing about that. And then you move it up a level and you go... Okay, so what, 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 are the, what are the big fish thinking here? In my head, I say this. Best case scenario, Bob Arum gets Fury versus Dillian made and doesn't put a penny in. He'd love Hearn to win a purse bid at the current split because his guy's you know, the favorite to win. There's, there's no... There's no disadvantage for him in terms of location. You, you do it in London, Fury's a big name. You do it in Manchester, Fury's a big name. You do it in Cardiff, Fury's a big name. So there are, like, it's hard for Fury to have B-side disadvantages. He, there's nothing you can really take from him. So if Bob could make this happen on, on DAZN, but get American pay-per-view, I think he'd be happy with that. Although it'll be in the daytime in the States, so it's not even a great pay-per-view prize to have. So that's really what's happening here. Bob wants Hearn to pay for it at an 80-20 split. So his guy's taken care of. Eddie can see the play. And Eddie's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I am going to do it, which seems to be where everyone is pointing, and my guy is Dillian, Dillian's got to get more out of this. But I can't take money out of these zone coffers to just give to him. The economics have to make sense behind this.
So we need to give Dillian a bigger share of the purse so he can eat better. And so all of these games are happening, and that's what you're seeing playing out in the media. This isn't really about Dillian, it's about who wants to pay what. So then ask the question, maybe Eddie doesn't want this fight to happen in March. Because if we look at, if we look at Hearn's sequence, if he gets all the guys he supposedly promotes in, act, in action, he'd have to put Dillian on at the end of March, early April, right? Because that's when Fury wants to fight. Up to four weeks later, he'd have to put on Joshua versus Usyk. I'm not sure if that rematch clause is time-bound, but if it is time-bound, then you need to make the fight happen pretty quickly. And then Canelo's got a fight in May. So where are you going to get the money? Because I've got to put, let's just say the total purse for Fury versus Dillian's 25 mil, right? I've got to put 25 million away for fight number one. Joshua versus Usyk, I'll go put another 45 to 55 million away. And remember, this money will be in escrow at the same time for a certain amount of time. That's cash flow that I've got to find. I may have that money in assets and in wealth, but no one has that much cash. And no one can afford to have that much cash locked up when you've got bills to pay, suppliers to pay, staff to pay, and so forth. So Hearn won't have that pot of money available to do that. And it doesn't seem like he's going running to Saudi to get that injection of cash. So then you look, if your money's tied up there, where are you going to get the money for the, for the Canelo versus Makabu slash Machunu fight? So you've got three fights that Hearn would theoretically have to make on top of all of his other commitments where he's having to put money here, there and everywhere. From a cash flow perspective, he couldn't do it. You just, there, isn't, there isn't that kind of cash in boxing for one promoter to do those fights in, in rapid succession. So that's what Hearn realizes. He goes, right, I can't make this fight. So now, now Hearn's head is make Bob pay for it, get Dillian a better split. I'll deal with Joshua Usyk and I'll deal with Canelo versus Makabu if I have to. Why? They're more interesting fights to me. My guys are the A side on that. I can, I can have a lot more fun on that one than I can when my guys are B side and I have to kind of show up and not look like I'm interested. So once again, Dillian White gets left hung, hung out to dry. And that's unfair on him. I don't, I don't like saying that. I don't like hearing that. But I don't know who's advising Dillian because he's getting the worst end of the stick once again because of Joshua. And so how does this mess sort itself out? So how does this all end? What, what we've learned now from the previous arbitration involving Fury is the mediators and the arbitrators will normally try and give effect to what has been established and agreed already unless you can demonstrate manifest unfairness, right? That's what it is. You have to show unfairness. You have to be able to show actually you've deviated from what you've done in the past to the detriment of Dillian White. Hard thing to prove, but if you've got the evidence, not so bad. If you're just going through a process to try and intimidate, maybe the WBC will relent and go, we'll do 70-30. I don't think it gets much better for Dillian than 70-30. And expect to see this happen on BT Sport and ESPN and Eddie go, it was a commercial disaster. Had they just trusted me, even at 55%, Fury would have made more money with me. That's really what you'll end up hearing after the fight's done. And then Hearn will go on to Joshua and Canelo, the two guys that he really cares about. And it's a sorry state, isn't it, of the heavyweight division? Because if you then look at that and then look at how hard it is for Hergovic to forget a fight, right? So the IBF have said, we need to find an eliminator opponent for Philip Hergovic. Now, is Hergovic the most deserving guy for that spot? Probably not. But his team have politicked in the right way. So he's got there. And so they said, right, we'll fight Luis Ortiz. And Luis Ortiz suddenly realized, oh, I have a fracture. Maybe I don't want to fight you. Joseph Parker has just been like, hell no. So now they're going down this list to find people and they have no idea who's next down that list or who he's going to end up fighting. And as Larry Holmes said about the current crop of heavyweights, why are people avoiding each other? This isn't what you're supposed to do. Go there, take your loss, come back, if that's what's going to happen. 
Would I like to see Hergovic versus Joker to be IBF mandatory? No issue with that. Good fine. But imagine trying to get those guys to come to terms. It's crazy that the egos of the people not actually getting into the ring are affecting the life chances of the people actually getting into the ring. And that's that's not a good sign for the sport, if I'm being honest with you. You know, and if we're all being honest as boxing fans, we're losing interest in this heavyweight division because if you look at, look, Bob Arum, really Bob Arum just wants the undisputed fight, okay? Eddie Hearn, really Eddie just wants the undisputed fight. Get that massive pot of money and then that's that phase of boxing done, okay? We've boxed that off. We found an undisputed heavyweight champion. The belts can scatter again and we can start the sorry dance all over again. That's what they really want. Al Heyman's like, well... Yeah, have your undisputed fight. Can my guy Deontay fight the winner? That'll be his last fight, then he can retire, right? We know we know what we need to happen. We just need to make it happen pretty quickly before everyone gets old. Because what we're now starting to realize, and people didn't want to accept this before, but this is true. Without Deontay Wilder, the heavyweight division right now is not the same. The energy Deontay Wilder brought was the energy we needed. So instead of people, and I know people are so tribal in their views about Fury, Joshua, etc., etc., that they will never give Wilder his respect. Let's remember, here's a guy who took up boxing so he could look after his daughter. He's achieved that. Here's a guy who... who in a world where we complain that people are media trained and corporate, he gave you Deontay Wilder, heart right there on his sleeve, right next to his, his AP watch. He gave you the most entertaining press conferences. He gave you moments you're happy to quote and share over and over again. Deontay Wilder is that guy that gave you the quotes. He gave you the quotes like Mike Tyson used to. Stuff that you can just clip and make viral. He gave you that. As fans, no heavyweight champion gave you more. He gave you knockouts. He never talked about, ah, oh, it's a boxing masterclass. Apart from that first Devern fight, everything else was just blood and guts. He gave you that. And yet he's still disrespected and he's still never given the credit he deserves. Deontay Wilder is the most important heavyweight of his generation. There's no question about that. He's the only guy who really gave us that throwback feel of those old school fights. And it took him existing for Fury to discover that about himself. Because remember, prior to Deontay Wilder, we all talked about how Fury was boring and uninteresting and Wilder brought it out of him. Wilder brought the fights out of Fury. And Joshua missed out on all of this. So when people disrespect Deontay Wilder, I'm like, guys, please stop. Whether you like him or not, he is the most important heavyweight of his generation. He's the catalyst for all of this. Because in any sport, in any form of entertainment, the best talkers are the main men. And if you can name me a better heavyweight talker right now than Deontay Wilder, cool, it's not Tyson Fury. It's not Tyson Fury. Because Tyson appeals to those guys who... You know the guys, man. The, the, the guys called Norman and Malcolm. and you know, you know the guys I'm talking about. And any ladies listening know the guys I'm talking about. The guys who are likely to slip something into your drink. You know those guys, those guys that wear pink t-shirts and think they're showing their sensitive side. You know who I'm talking about. The guys who go on holiday and wear those shorts that are a little bit too tight. You know, just desperate attempts at peacocking to gain female attention because... The men they are is never sufficient. They're the guys that Fury's type of humor appeals to. Wilder just came with the savage lines, man. He, he came with that entertainment that we want our big men to deliver. And I don't want to make this a sermon on Wilder, but I just want people to understand that we can't forget about Wilder as a meaningful and important heavyweight right now. Because there's no one else who, who makes you want to watch, even if you don't like him. You're like, I want to hear what this guy's got to say. And hopefully we see him in 2022 because, like I said, boxing needs him. Like, do I think boxing needs Andy Ruiz? To an extent, yeah. 
but it needs an Andrew Ruiz that's serious because the one we saw in the Joshua rematch, the one we saw in the Areola fight, uh, we ain't got time for that. But I just want to switch gears quickly and just go, who would have thought in 2022 Don King would be putting on good cards? Like, wow. Wow. Um, no words. Absolutely no words. So from what's being said, January 29th, we're going to get Ilunga Makabu versus Tabiso Michunu. Now people go, what's this fight all about? I think that's going to be a really good fight because you've got two relatively short cruiserweights, right? Short, stocky, powerful cruiserweights. Uh, I think they're, are they both Southpaw? I think they might both be Southpaw as well. And so you've got Michunu, all slick, all shoulder roll, dipping, rolling, and you've got Makabu, who's just pure power. And if he catches you, he'll put you down. And so the winner of that will fight Canelo. So once again, Don King in the limelight. And on the undercard, you're going to have Trevor Bryan. Now, I don't know who Trevor Bryan's going to fight. It's not Manuel Char because they messed up the money for that. And part of me thinks, would he dig up Christopher Lovejoy for a Trevor Bryan fight? Because that would be brilliant too. You could even dig out Shannon Briggs, although I don't know if he's in shape to fight. But then you've got, so you've got that, what's it? You've got the WBC title on the line at the Cruiserweight. Then you've got the heavyweight WBA regular on the line. And then you've got two NABBA titles as well. So that's the equivalent of their British titles. I'm like, Don King can still do that in 2022? I remember when Bernard Hopkins said he was glad that he put Don King out of boxing permanently after he beat Tavares Cloud. Yo, so just to know that Don can find his way back lets you know, man, this is a sport for gangsters. And on the subject of promoters and gangsters, Frank's been moving quietly, hasn't he? Like, I just noticed, like, Frank might have a hell of a 2022. He's just been plotting and scheming in the shadows, man. Like, Dev, let me know what you think of this, by the way. But he's been plotting and scheming in the shadows. And I suddenly looked and went, he's got Dubois at the top of the WBA. He's got Joyce at the top of the WBO. He's got Parker at the top of the WBO. He's got Yard at the top of the WBO. And these guys are all about to cash their chips in either towards the end of this year or early next year. And you almost like, how, how did Frank do that? Uh, we, like, we, we all slept on Frank and Frank's just kind of creeping on a come up there. So kudos to him. You know, the, the Zach Parker situation, I think they're talking about him and Demetrius Andrade fighting for that vacant belt when the belts you know, scattered to all four corners of the world. And what do you say about Demetrius Andrade? Avoided at 154. Fact. Like his only meaningful fight was probably Brian Rose. Liam Smith didn't want it. Canelo didn't want it. Trout probably didn't want it. Lara didn't want it. Uh, the tall guy, Swift Jared Hurd didn't want it. Went up to 160. Said, guys, I'm here if anyone wants to play. And they all just, <laughs> all just rolled the blinds down and went, nah, we don't want to play. So now Andrade is forced to go up to 168 to fight. And still no one wants that fight. But here's the weird thing, and I can see why Andrade's getting annoyed, because Demetrius Andrade's saying to Hearn, I'm on zone. Golovkin is on zone. Jaime Munguia is on zone. How are you not able to make those fights? Like, stop talking about this promoter. Won't. No, 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 no. In-house fights, where are they? What have I signed for? And you can understand his anger, right? Because he's like, I'm on the zone, put me on. And Eddie's like, uh, no one wants to fight you. But you're a promoter, you can make this happen. Eddie's like, nah. <laughs> nah, you're not that cool with me that I need to force the agenda on that. So I don't know what they do with Demetrius Andre. Zach, the Zach Parker fight's cool. But the, the difference in quality and ability between those two, come on. I, I think Parker will do well to survive the first half of the fight against Demetrius Andrade. That onslaught's too much for him. He's, he's not skilled or experienced enough to cope with that. That's all I'll say on the matter. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm just being real when I say that. I'm gutted for Callum Johnson on a side note here. Just there he was all set to fight for the WBO title. And he gets hit with COVID. Just positive diagnosis. And that's the end of that. 
and it's not even like, oh, we'll just postpone it for two weeks. Like they're almost saying, right, that fight's done. We don't have to do that now. But I hope he gets his chance because like I said, I think that'll be a really good fight between those two. That's as blue collar a scrap as you're going to get in boxing. So let's hope that that fight takes off. Uh, just when, as we blitz around the world of boxing, I'm really sad to hear about Cash Farouk uh, forced to retire. Medical grounds is what we know for certain. So what's happened is he's going to renew his medical. They've asked for the information required. And based on that information, I think they've said there's an issue here. And then he's just made the decision to retire. Now, if you go back to the Christmas episode we did, myself, Martin and Andy, Martin explained about the Edward Gutneck situation. So just to summarize, the Gutneck family sued the board and they argued that the board had a duty of care and what the board should have done was received all of Edward Gutneck's medical records and had they done so, they would never have sanctioned him to fight. So he would never have fought George Groves and he wouldn't be in the position he's in now. And it was agreed that the board had a duty of care and the board have had to compensate. So what's the knock-on effect of that? Here's what it is. They've just got super strict on everything. So when you apply for your license, when you renew your license, you have to provide all your medical history. So you have, your GP has to say all records so the board can make a full and informed decision. So what, what you're seeing now is a process where the board is saying no to a lot of people, whether it's a suspected issue, whether it's an actual issue, they're saying no. So a lot of guys may retire this year. Or a lot of guys may get rejected for their initial license. I think that's where it's headed. The board is just going to be super jumpy on anything neurological. You're, anything to do with the brain, anything to do with the heart, anything to do with the lungs, any risk of clotting, the board aren't playing. So that's just a warning for all you guys. Get yourselves checked out. Make sure your history hasn't got any skeletons in there because the board will be looking for them and the board will find them. And if you hide it from the board, your license will get revoked. That's, that, that's, that's, that's my public service announcement for you guys. The board are going to be super strict on this. But what I will say to Cash is I hope he finds a new challenge and a new Everest to conquer and he can become elite at that too because he was a good man, entertaining in the ring, gave fans what they wanted, fantastic technician and from what i hear super dedicated in terms of how he lived his life so it's always sad to lose you know a member of the brotherhood but hopefully his his style will continue to shine so so some of you would have heard the peter fury video i think it's been circulating this weekend and in it he's basically saying look i'm tired of seeing these trainers in the media he's basically doing his his suge knight so when suge knight took shots at puffy back i think it was 95 at the source awards and said if you're tired of your your record label executive in your videos and stuff come and sign with death row and peter fury is saying a similar thing you know why are these trainers so visible why are they in the public eye why are they making it about themselves instead of making it about the fighter and I kind of agree with them because I think there's a load of nonsense happening in boxing and the talk isn't reflected in what you see in the ring. But I also ask this question. When you're, when you're in the least secure role in boxing and trainers are in the least secure position, how do you promote yourself in order to make sure that you keep working? The only way you can do it is by what happens in the ring and by being able to convince people that you're a good guy. It's why, the guy, it's why Caldwell does it. It's why Ben Davidson does it. Because we, we see them as trainers, but they're a business. They are their own business. So Shane has to do this stuff. Ben has to do this stuff. Dave Caldwell has to do it. Or bills don't get paid. I'm surprised more trainers don't do it. Adam Booth's been doing it for years. And it's just a little side hustle that keeps you relevant, keeps you visible. And means that you, know, you, you trend all year round. Anytime people mention you, you trend. And that draws in sponsorship. It draw, attention sells in this modern economy. So I kind of agree with Peter, but I just think the world's moved on. The best case scenario is you're an amazing trainer and you can talk to the media and you know how to balance the two. Not many people do. And I know, you know, I respect Peter because Peter just keeps a low profile. You know, his fighters will do the talking for him and kudos to him. But also remember, I don't think Peter's a man who's struggling for a pound note. So he's got that luxury of, I don't need boxing. Whereas Dave Caldwell, if he doesn't train, bills don't get paid. 
harsh but true. I'm going to ask a question to the fans. Has Josh Taylor become the least relevant undisputed champion of modern times? Because if you look at it, Josh Taylor is what? He's the main guy at 140, right? No question about that right now. But all the activity and energy in 140 is like, oh, Teo's stepping up. Okay, cool. Who's he going to fight? We're hearing that he's going to fight Zapeta. Which, like, if you're stepping up to 140 after fighting Cambosos and you're like, I'll fight Zapeta now. Whew. That takes balls. You know, Progre's making noise. All these guys are making noise. And Josh has to fight Jack Cattrall, a guy that we do. We don't really know who Jack Cattrall is, do we? as a boxing community. We kind of know that he fought O'Hara Davis and got lucky. That's about it. And we know that he sparred Mayweather and Pacquiao and stuff, but you can't keep living off that. And so you see how Josh Taylor is on social media where he's massively anti-state, he's anti-restricted. And look, have the political views you want, but just know that it's going to harm your commercial appeal. Like it's hard to give a man a knighthood when he's going against the establishment like that. But I've, I've never seen a career managed so badly. Never. Just, just managed terribly. And if you remember when he was with Shane, you didn't have all of this nonsense. This has only started since he left the McGuigans. I, I, have no, I just have no idea, man. It, slowly, I think the boxing world's losing interest. And I think once he moves up to 147 and this undisputed thing stops, maybe we'll reignite our interest. But right now... He's just in that, let me know when it's over camp. Whew, just realized the time. So let me just touch on a quick human interest story. So I just want to say a big shout out and keep your head up to a young lady called Sasha Smith. So a lot of you guys won't know Sasha. I, knew, I met her when I used to train up in Leeds. So we used to train together in Leeds. She boxes for, for Tiger's Gym, which is also the home of Jodie Wilkinson, who is now an ABA champion. So Sasha does the ABA championships last year, end of last year. Yeah, does okay, learnt a lot. Has Christmas, decides to go to Thailand. This is as bad luck, this is as much bad luck as you can get, right? Lands in Thailand, they do the lateral flow test because they test you on arrival. Test positive. Straight into the quarantine hotel, straight into the gulag. So imagine you're told you've got to spend 15 days in the gulag in Thailand, essentially. So you're in this quarantine hotel, you can't leave, actually cannot leave. You, you, no, no hour for exercise, no nothing. You cannot leave. And so she's testing negative every day, every day, every day, every day. And you know, we're getting the daily updates on social media. And I think, by, I think it was day nine or day 10, she tests positive. Remember, she's had no contact with no other human beings, tests positive. So now they're like, you've got to stay an extra few days over the fifteen. And now I think she's starting to show symptoms. So now she's got to go to hospital. And I think that might be the definition of the worst holiday in history. So I just want to say shout out to her. Um, if you're listening to this, keep your head up. You'll be home soon. And God, free Sasha Smith. Because I can't, that must be a nightmare. That's exactly why I'm not traveling now. Because that, that arrival test, <laughs> you ain't about to hold me in no detention camp. You're not about to deport me for having COVID. No chance in hell. Oh, man. So, I mean, kudos to her. Hopefully we see her back soon. The irony is her boyfriend had COVID before he flew out, tests negative at the airport. So he's had the time of his life in Thailand. <laughs> That's mad, isn't it? One half of the couple's going through hell, the other one's going through heaven. It's crazy. But yeah, keep your head up, kid, and hopefully see you soon. I just wanted to close off by wishing everyone a happy new year. Look, I'm not into all of this making big statements and big proclamations. I just want everyone to be happier this time next year than they are now. One of the things I'm going to say to you guys is please don't involve me in any negativity. If you see people beefing online, don't think of me. Don't think of my name. If you see this guy and that guy, don't, don't include me. Don't at me. Don't mention it to me, right? Just mention stuff that is about the sport we love, or is about you as a human being. Like, I just don't want to be involved in any negativity this year. Like, it, it, it's, it's draining. You know, I've, I've had to look at how I tweet and I need to tweet differently and I need to stop engaging with people who I don't really fuck with, to be honest with you. 
One of the mistakes I think we all make on social media is we assume because someone is responding to us, they're of a similar level. And a lot of times they're not. Sometimes you're arguing with a 12-year-old. Um, was it Sonny Edwards who dragged the young kid from Stonebridge through the mud? Because he was piping up. And there is a degree of everyone should be accountable for the things they're saying, the things they do. Because there are a lot of people saying stuff and we don't really know who you are. We don't know if you're in a position to say anything. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to avoid all of that. If you mention negativity to me, mate, you're going to get muted or blocked. That's what I'm going to say. You're going to get muted or blocked. And it's not because I don't respect you. It's I have to be the guardian of my own happiness and you guys should all be the guardians of your own happiness. Don't get into situations that aren't worth your time. Me arguing with... I don't know, Herbert 01394275641. For what? And sometimes you find yourself getting caught in because you're passionate about the thing you're saying. But actually, you just got to go through your mentions and go, who is this guy? Do I follow him? Does he follow me? No, block. And I didn't understand why Paul Smith did it. But you know what it does? It keeps your timeline nice. And that's what I'm going to do now. I'm just going to protect my timeline. I just want quality in my timeline. Things that give me better information so I can do better podcasts. And hopefully you guys will be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And I hope you guys find people and eliminate them when they offer you nothing but negativity. If they say some stuff that you think is stupid, don't be afraid to block them. It's not that important. Like, it's not the real world. So all I can say is, look, have a great year, guys. Be nice to each other. You know, we're here for the sport, not for the ego. And on that note, I am going to sign out and I'm going to try and get myself some sleep. So take care and have a great day once you hear this. And no zoi. <laughs> Remember to like it. If you enjoyed it, share it. Make sure another person who's not listening today listens because we're getting there slowly but surely. We're getting to the point where we're being taken seriously. Take care, guys. You better be more than ready, Dominique. You better be more than ready, sir. Listen to me again. You better be more than ready for me. Because I am the bad. I can feel you right now. I can feel your heart right now. Just hold up, man. I feel you right now. I can feel your heartbeat. Well, boom, 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 boom. And it should be that way. Because you ain't never seen death in his face. You ain't never seen a killer in person, in faith. Now you do. And you're going to understand. Speak the way I speak. Why the things I say? You're going to understand where I came from. You're going to feel every bit of me. I promise you that. This is not a game. This is where you've been introduced in the heavyweight division, Dominique. It start with me. And I'm going to prove it to you. Well, I promise you that. Because that's the scheme that you tried to pull, I ain't, it ain't going to fly. I'm going to show you street style. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you.